Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin Athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of basketball to talk about. Wisconsin men's basketball picked up another victory. Not necessarily the most pretty game, but we'll break that down real quickly before we get into some football talk. On the football side, we've got some things to talk about with recruiting. Not really great things, um, as there's been a couple decommitments for Wisconsin as they wait out this saga that is the next Wisconsin head coach. After that, we'll get into our normal game preview. We'll do our preview, you know, things to watch on both sides of the ball, player to watch, etc. The usual. Then in the back half of the show, we'll have our usual interview with uh, Coronation John Johnson. Always one of my favorite interviews to have on. John comes on to give an insider perspective on all things Cornhuskers. So should be a fun full episode for you guys to get you ready for this contest. And then next week, we'll have regular scheduled programming, um, probably a short recap episode on Monday, recapping the game, and then next week, Wednesday, probably before Thanksgiving, um, we'll probably have the uh, preview show for Minnesota, should have an interview and a regular game preview for that as well, depending on uh, the correspondence over at the Daily Gopher, if they're available, it's sometimes a little tough to get some of this stuff done before Thanksgiving, so... Anyways, let's get into the, uh, we'll start with the basketball talk. Like I said, Wisconsin basketball, men's basketball, picked up another victory uh, against UW-Green Bay. Really not a pretty performance on the offensive end of the of the ball, um, of the court, I should say, with the ball. Um, really kind of struggled to knock down shots consistently. The offense was was ice cold for most of the game. Uh, but, but, but at least for them, the defense continues to play good enough. And I think that when you look at it, when you have these tough offensive nights where Chucky Hepburn really struggled. Stephen Crowell really struggled. Your kind of main two go-to guys struggled to score the basketball, and and you know everybody, everybody that played one through um, you know eight nine in terms of the bench struggled to knock down shots consistently, and that's going to happen with this team. I think you're naive to think that Wisconsin basketball is going to come in and and light the world on fire um, shooting the basketball most nights. That's what was the issue with this team last year was they had some inconsistency shooting the basketball, and that's been the inconsistent. That's going to that's kind of been the mo for Badger teams of the last, you know, since the the Frank Kaminsky era, where there was beyond that, beyond that era, there's been times where Wisconsin, and even before that, you can go back, and there's always going to be times where Wisconsin's offense go gets into these streaky cold, you know, issue type uh, stretches, and this was kind of a, a game where. It went on for, it felt like 40 minutes, where the offense was just continuing to struggle. But the nice thing is for Wisconsin's defense, 
once again, continues to play really good defense on that side of the court. And when you have tough offensive games, that's going to be what you need to lean on. And and they really did a good job of, of, of shutting things down. Now, it is UW-Green Bay. UW-Green Bay is one of the worst teams in the country, um, one of the worst teams in the Horizon League. They've really struggled. So it should have probably been a, a bigger blowout in terms of the game. But at that point, when, when you're shooting, you know, tough from the field, 16 to 53, 30%, sometimes you've, you've got to just take what you can get and get out of there. So Wisconsin really had a tough night. Actually, shooting from the three-point line wasn't as bad, 8 of 19, 42%. So they could knock down some three-pointers pretty consistently. But from inside the three-point arc, they, they just could not make a shot. And that's kind of been on, on par for this team is that they've had situations where they can make some three-pointers and sometimes that gets streaky as well. But from inside the three-point arc, they really struggled. But the defense, once again, shut them down. Um, UW-Green Bay, 2 of 14 shooting on the night from beyond the arc. 15 of 44 shooting overall in terms of from the field. Really didn't get a lot going for them. It, it was a game that Wisconsin always felt in control of. But you wanted Wisconsin to just kind of knock down some shots and run away with it. And they weren't able to do that. So not a pretty game for them, but a game that they can really work off of get better and now they've got a little bit of time you know you've got almost a week off before you play Dayton um so you've got some time to get some things right get get some holidays out of the way get a little bit of a break and hey three and oh going into a little break I yes they could they have played better and and over the course of those three games absolutely but you know this is where Wisconsin's at and until they you know are losing games consistently until they're really struggling you can't critique this team too much. There are going to be games where they're going to lose because they don't score enough. But this was a game where they, they struggled offensively, but they found a way, a, way, a way to win on the defense. Defensive end. In terms of uh, scoring outputs, um, Jordan Davis actually led the team with 11 points. Max Klesman had 9. Tyler Wall had 8. Stephen Kraut had 9. Jackie Hepburn at 8. So you kind of looked and saw that you, know, you were getting a little bit of um, of scoring from everybody. That's nice to see. You just need to probably be more consistent. Carter Gilmore had five. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know, if these guys can bounce back, start to find that shooting stroke again, because it's been kind of three straight games where it's been streaky. I mean, they, they really played well in that opener against South Dakota. Stanford was kind of ebb and flow, and this game was once again that same ebb and flow for them. In terms of the bench, really interesting. You know, Carter Gilmore was the first off the bench, 20 minutes for him. Marcus Silver, 10 minutes. Connor Sajian, 7. Kamari McGee, just 6 minutes. Then um, they got a little bit of bench time in Isaac Lindsay, Jacoby Neath, and um, were the with two with 5 minutes. So we'll see how deep this rotation continues to go as Wisconsin works deeper into the season as the competition gets tighter. This Dayton game. Dayton, a very good program, very good team this year. So that'll be the, the next big test for Wisconsin on the court. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears now over to football. We'll start with the recruiting side. Of course, for Wisconsin, two decommitments for them in, um, on the football side. Jamel Howard, one of them, as well as Colin Dixon, the wide receiver. And I don't believe we ever talked about it, but Tretch Kekauna, another decommitment for Wisconsin, was actually last week. So now the Badgers have lost three commitments to that 2022 class in a matter of two weeks or so. Um, and, and two of them uh, were, of course, on Thursday afternoon for Wisconsin um, as they kind of wait out this uh, this whole situation with Jim Leonard and whether he's going to be back or whether somebody going to be somebody else. So it's it's a tough situation for the players' side. I can totally understand why you want to have you know your 
future figured out. Um, so you've you've really, if you're Wisconsin, kind of need to get some some things going here in terms of what they're going to do, what the decision is. Now, certainly, it it's possible that Jamal Howard and, and Colin Dixon end up back at Wisconsin once that commitment is made. But I do think for when you're looking at Jamal Howard's case, he did he's got a Michigan offer. He's going to be at Michigan this weekend um, for an official visit. I would think he's probably one that's going to get flipped based on the offer that, that he's received and the 247 predictions. I'll, I'll have a couple to Michigan. There were um, previously a, a few predictions of Wisconsin, and now that there's been a decommitment, you're wondering if he's if he's going to land out. That one seems like a one that Wisconsin's going to lose out on. Um, and Colin Dixon certainly could be back. Both of them have said, you know, Wisconsin's still going to be one of their top choices, but until this coaching situation is figured out, I, I can totally understand why players are decommitting. I mean, this is something where you want to know what you're going to have for the future for the next four years. An inconsistency within a program, instability within a program, makes players look elsewhere. That's that's not any crazy take. That's that's fairly obvious. And I think for Wisconsin, they're only hurting themselves by taking this long in the coaching search. If Jim Leonard is in fact the guy. He needs to be the guy. He needed to be the guy last week, two weeks ago. You've got early signing day coming up. You've got the transfer portal that's going to be opening early December. This needs to be wrapped up and, and done if he is, in fact, the guy pretty quick here. And I think he is. So I think at this point you're just hurting yourselves and wasting time and, and hurting your recruiting, hurting you know, players in your current staff. There's been, you know, of course, the Braylon Allen talk last week with him in Michigan. I think he kind of said it. He, he said as long as Jim Leonard's here – I'm here. Some people took that as a oh, you know that that's uh, you know that's that's good to hear. He's he's not leaving Wisconsin. I think he said that more as an ultimatum to say, hey, if Jim Leonard's here, I'm here. If Jim Leonard's not here, I'm out. So there's situations at play. There's people growing frustrated on the recruiting side. There's people growing impatient, and and I don't think it's anything crazy. I'm sure in, in terms of the players and the parents of those players, they just want to know. Who's going to be leading their son every day in terms of, of, of practice and game? And who's going to be that person on the field? You don't want to sign up for something not knowing who your boss is going to be for the next four years. That's a lot to ask for a parent. That's a lot to ask for a player. So these decommitments are likely going to keep happening until Wisconsin buttons this thing up. Um, and if they, if Jim Leonard's the guy, he, he likely should be the guy here quickly because it's only going to be hurting themselves. And the longer it takes, once you get into early signing period, once you get into that portal opening, you still have this instability. That's really going to be a, a tough situation for Wisconsin on the recruiting side. Now, maybe he's not the guy. I think that would be absolutely silly and naive. But maybe Chris McIntosh has somebody else in mind. But it's if if that's the case, then it, it should be trying to get it buttoned up here quick. And yes, you can certainly wait, wait until the end of the regular season you're only you know two games away from that a week and a half away from that but it, it feels like a mistake at this point in time to continue to wait that long and you're starting to see some ramifications of that said mistake by getting these you know 3d commitments of two weeks it's not something you see from normal programs even when paul chris was there you weren't seeing 3d commitments in two commit in two weeks because you knew hey, this is going to be the guy that I'm playing for. And when you have the situations where you don't know, the instability, once again, comes back to bite you. So we'll see how Wisconsin handles that the rest of the way. All right, let's go ahead and get into this Nebraska contest. As I said in the back half of the show, I've got an interview with John Johnson of Coronation to give you guys an insider perspective on the Nebraska Huskers. But for us right now, 
we'll get into this game. We'll start with the offense. Uh, this one, I think, is pretty simple for Wisconsin's offense. You've got to get the run game going. Uh, this Nebraska defense is probably better than what the numbers say, but in terms of rushing yards allowed, Nebraska ranks 112th in the country, so they have not had a really great unit. Um, that's kind of been the MO of Wisconsin, excuse me, of Nebraska for years now is the inability to stop the run and the kind of weakness that they have up front, whether it be on the offensive line, defensive line. Same sort of situation here for the, the Cornhuskers, a little bit soft up front, and I think Wisconsin can make that work. Now, are you going to be busting off runs left and right? No. But are you going to be running the ball hopefully better than what you did last week against the Iowa Hawkeyes? Yes. It, you hope that things aren't getting stuffed up at the line as consistently as it was last week. Last week, Wisconsin's run game, after taking you know steps forward against Purdue and Maryland, took a huge step back against Iowa. Now, part of that is that Iowa defense is really good, but I, I thought Wisconsin would be able to run the ball much better than they did against that Iowa defense. I think that Iowa defense was not a sheep a sheep in wolf's clothing, but I do think that the numbers said they're a little bit weaker up front than what they've necessarily had and, and, and gotten. And unfortunately for Wisconsin, they could not exploit that. They could not take advantage of that. This Nebraska defense, in terms of numbers, very not very good. Um, and Wisconsin should be able to you know, establish that run, you know, pick up five-yard runs, six-yard runs, bust some long runs, and really get this thing going downhill for them in terms of the way the offense is working. And that will set up the pass. You, you can't, at this point, we've seen enough grammar as football to know you have to have that run set up to ha- allow him to have success. If he's got to come out and sling it when the defense knows what's coming in terms of third and long in those type of situations, it's not going to work. I mean, that's just the way it's been for three years now. If the run game's going, you've got a passing game to work off of that. If the run game's not going and you've got to just throw the football, you're in trouble. And and that's been the MO for Wisconsin for decades. But it's more so even here when you've got Graham Mertz at the helm. He's had a a pretty good season, a huge bad game uh, against Iowa, um, and and really put a lot of sour taste back in people's mouth. But I do think that if this run game is clicking, he can be a consistent quarterback for you. So I think for the offense, you've got to get it going. Yeah, Braylon Allen, I know, is, is nursing a shoulder injury. You should get Ches Malusi back. You'll have Isaac Rendo. All three of them should be getting touches, and I think they should be opening things up. I think the offensive line needs to block better. Obviously, they, they need to create some holes for them. And then when those holes are open, there were a couple times last week where there were some open holes. I think the offensive line... Got a lot of flack for their performance last week, and rightfully so. But there were times where Braylon Allen was bouncing um, the run the opposite direction, the wrong way, or trying to bounce it outside when there was a clear hole there. So he needs to be better. The offensive line needs to be better. I know I saw someone on Twitter uh, tweet that Braylon Allen maybe isn't as good as we thought he was. Maybe he's more of a P.J. Hill than a Melvin Gordon, and I do think that is fair, but I think he's a very good running back. P.J. Hill was a very good running back, and I think... You can still see that the possibilities for him are there. The opportunities to find those holes and gaps are there, and he can be a better back than what he's kind of shown this year. And that's what we'll have to wait and see if he can get back to that point. So offensively, I think it's pretty clear. The run game has to get going. This run defense for Nebraska is not very strong, and it's the entire offense predicates on this run game being going. So that's what you have to have consistently if you're the Badgers. On the defensive side, it looked to be a little unclear who you're going to see from the Nebraska quarterback. However, 
it does look like Casey Thompson is going to play. The former Texas quarterback transferred over to Nebraska. Had a pretty good season for him. Um, he was banged up the last couple of weeks. Chubba Purdy, their backup quarterback, was also... Um, He's now out for the season. And then their third string, Logan Smothers, has been banged up as well. So it looked like it was going to be an injured Logan Smothers or a walk-on fourth-string quarterback if Casey Thompson was able, was not able to go. He is able to go, and that changed the entire offense for Nebraska. He's a very dynamic player, big arm, mobile in the pocket, can kind of make plays similar to what we've seen the last few years with Adrian Martinez, where a guy that can make plays with his feet be mobile, and throw it around can make plays against this Wisconsin defense. Now, I will say this year, once again, in the trenches for Nebraska, that offensive line is atrocious. I mean, you're looking at Northwestern, who's got a very bad team. I think Northwestern probably has a better line up front than uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I mean, the the tackles for this team, um, you're watching some tape, it, it's it's crazy how, how often they just completely whiff on blocks or they get two quick hands on a guy and then they are immediately by them. I mean, it's it's a wild scene when you watch this Nebraska offensive line. So Wisconsin, based on the way they've played the last few weeks in terms of the pressure that they brought, they should be able to get to Casey Thompson. They should be able to make plays to disrupt this offense and then really slow them down. But you're going to have to do it consistently. You're going to have to make sure that you're buttoned up in the secondary because if he is able to throw... He can sling it around. Now, he'll make some mistakes throwing the ball. But overall, he's he's a pretty good quarterback, and he's got a pretty strong arm that can get the ball into some tight windows. So if you're Wisconsin, you've got to get that pressure. You've got to really take advantage of this weak offensive line. And you've got to make sure Casey Thompson doesn't have all the, all day to throw um, and be able to sling it around in the secondary. Thank you for Wisconsin. I think this Wisconsin defense is getting back to – they're starting to get back to the dominant – force that they are on defense getting closer to what we expect to see them you know week in and week out they were absolutely incredible last week against Iowa I think they can do some same things against an even weaker offensive line for the Nebraska Cornhuskers here so pressure 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 in the face of Casey Thompson is going to be the MO to watch for in this contest that leads me over to the matchup to watch and I think we've already kind of hit on the matchup to watch it's the trenches Wisconsin's offensive line going against the Nebraska uh, and a break. A weak Nebraska defensive line um, you know, going at them, consistently opening up holes. And then again, on the other side, Wisconsin's defensive line creating that pressure for the linebackers and taking advantage of this weak Nebraska offensive line. It's going to come down to the trenches. If Wisconsin can kind of impose its will on both of sides of the line, this game should be one that they have in hand. If for some reason the offensive line struggles, if for some reason the defensive line is not getting home consistently enough and, and pushing, moving the line of scrimmage back, and the defense kind of is left on islands to have to play coverage for long times, I think you're going to see Nebraska put up some points. So I think it comes down to can Wisconsin be dominant in both sides of the trenches, and if they are, this should be a game that they win. If they don't, it's going to be a back-and-forth game. I think Wisconsin will still be able to score, but then you're all of a sudden you're going to let Nebraska hang around. They're a team notorious for hanging around, just being unable to close. I don't think you even want to let Nebraska get to that point. I think if you're Wisconsin, you really want to put this thing away, try and get a, a lead and, and get out of this game um, with with your with a victory, get your bowl eligibility, get your whatever freedom trophy, and get home. So we'll see how Wisconsin fares on both sides of the line. In terms of players to watch, I think you've got to pick on the offensive side. I'm going to go with Ches Malusi. He's going to get a little bit of action for him. He'll be back in the lineup, Braylon Allen. Sounds like he's nursing a little bit of a shoulder injury. 
Um, so you're going to have Ches Malusi back in there, Isaac Rendo in there. I think both of those guys could get more carries than what you've seen. It'll be nice to have Malusi back in the lineup. Hopefully he can bust some big runs and be an impact player for them. So I'll give the uh, player to watch to Ches Malusi. Hopefully he gets some opportunities to, to make some plays on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I think it's pretty obvious. The player to watch right now for Wisconsin is Nick Herbig. The way he's playing is absolutely incredible. If he can get to the quarterback consistently for Wisconsin in this contest, I do think the Badgers will be able to pull out a victory. He's been amazing to watch all season long, but last week it was incredible to see how quickly he was in the offensive backfield uh, and taking down Spencer Petras. I think he could really have, a, have another nice game here against this Nebraska offensive line, so I'll say he as the player to watch in this contest. That leads me into the score prediction for this game. I do think the Badgers will be able to win this game. I do think they'll be able to put up some points. I'm going to go with Wisconsin 30, Nebraska 17. I think that's right on the spread. Uh, that's, that's right about where you're going to see this game finish up. I think the Badgers will be able to you know, score some points. I think they'll probably, with Casey Thompson now in the lineup, might be a little leaky in terms of you know, allowing them to put some points on the board. That's kind of been... The last few years, Nebraska has scored enough, but Wisconsin's offense has has just scored more. Um, and I think that's what you're going to see in this contest. So I'll take the Badgers 30-17 to 17 in a little bit of a back-and-forth game, but a game that's kind of back-and-forth, but you also feel like Wisconsin's got a pretty good control of it as they move throughout the four quarters. All right, real quick, the rest of the Big Ten predictions before we get into our interview with John. Illinois at Michigan, Michigan rolls. I think they're going to be set up for an undefeated meet with Ohio State. Indiana, Michigan State, who cares? I, I'll take the Spartans at home. Northwestern, Purdue, Purdue rolls in that contest. Ohio State at Maryland. I think the Buckeyes win pretty handily, but I wonder if they're going to be able to cover um, that 27.5-point spread. I think Maryland might be able to keep it a little bit closer than that. Rutgers and uh, Penn State. Penn State will win that one convincingly. Iowa and Minnesota. I really have no idea who's going to win this game. I'm going to say the Gophers because I think this Iowa team is not as good as they've you know, looked in the recent weeks. I don't think the defense is as good as, as other offense have allowed them to. I think the offense is absolutely atrocious, and I cannot pick them in good faith to win a game on the road against Minnesota over under of 32 points. So that game is going to be an absolute joke of a football game, lowest total, I think, in the last 10 years. So. Purely disgusting, setting football back uh, decades, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll take the Gophers to win that one. All right, guys, that wraps up my portion of the show. We'll get some ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our interview with John Johnston of Corn Nation to get an insider's look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by a very special guest. One of my favorite interviews. I think John and I have, whenever we have Nebraska, I think John has been on the last three, three, three years of the podcast since I've been doing it. It's always one of my favorites, along with uh, the uh, the guys from Iowa and Minnesota. They always do a good job. But John is always a fun one. I always enjoy going on his show as well. Um, what, what What's the name of your show? I forgot. 
Well, we have we have two. We do are doing now live YouTube shows. We do uh, Monday night. Uh, we do a Monday night therapy session because Monday night on YouTube, we talk about how horrible Nebraska football is and everybody needs therapy. And then on either Wednesday, Thursdays, we do the five heart podcast also. Okay. Okay. So we're just, our football is so terrible. All we do is talk about how terrible life is now. And um, hey. I guess every, if everybody feels better about talking about bad football together, there we go. It's, 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 it's a cathartic release. I think Wisconsin fans need that too. After this past weekend, just a disaster of a football game uh, against the Hawkeyes, which it, that it, maybe Minnesota is a big rival and the ax is always cool, but losing to Iowa is always one that just pains me to my core. So I lived in Iowa though for six years. So maybe that's why maybe it just cuts deeper for me, but um Badger fans, just to re-tell re you who we're talking to, John Johnson of Coronation, um, on to talk some Nebraska football. We'll start, we always like to start at the top, talking about the coaches, stuff like that. Of course, Scott Frost fired what feels like almost months ago now. It feels so long ago. Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach. Do you think he's got a chance of, of being the next head coach, or do you think it's an outside candidate that's going to end up getting uh, the job? And if so, is there any certain name that you're kind of – hoping Nebraska might go after? I, I don't think he has much of a chance. And the reason why, I I think that Mickey Joseph would be successful somewhere. But the problem with Mickey Joseph is he hasn't been a coordinator yet. So I mean, the general track is position coach, coordinator, head coach. And he hasn't even been a coordinator anywhere he's been. I mean, he had the associate head coach title, you know, when Scott Frost was there in name. but if if he's hired at Nebraska, it is a sign that we really didn't get anybody else, and that would be really unfortunate. I like I said, I think he'll be successful. I think he's a I think he's a good motivator. I think he's shown that he can recruit well, but he just doesn't have the experience. And Nebraska's right now to a point where they can't really just go, oh, we're gonna take a chance on this guy, you know. The mm -hmm. the fan base is strained. You know, we have that sellout streak. You have a fan base that's been to the games, but that that is waning. And, you know, what if I said Nebraska without football, I mean, what would you think of? Wrestling. That's probably the next. That's probably the next one. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, but, it'll be. You know, it's just there's it. The, the program has to be successful. Otherwise the ego, of the state is dead and everybody is, well, they're already dead inside. So I don't know what else, where else we can go from here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who does in fact end up up there. Of course, I think Wisconsin, there was a couple of weeks there where it seemed like Wisconsin and Nebraska were both going for Lance Leipold and that's quickly changed to now Jim Leonard, hopefully is the guy and, and we'll see who ends up in Nebraska, but just uh Crazy year of coaching in the Big Ten West, um, and we'll see how that pans out. But wanted to get your take on that. In terms of Nebraska this year, of course, another struggle of a year. Offensively, Casey Thompson brought in to play quarterback, uh, formerly at Texas. He's came in. It looks like he's kind of had up and down year. I haven't seen it. I've only caught a couple Nebraska games. But what has he brought, and and it, what part of the off – how does he make the offense better or worse, or where are they at um, in this Casey Thompson era? Well, Casey Thompson is, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, 
his problem is we don't actually have offensive tackles. They literally do not exist. Uh, they can't pass block for anything. They uh, do, do. I do. I get a swear a lot on this show. You can. You can swear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our offensive tackles are just shit. They don't. It literally do not exist. So our offensive line is probably the worst offensive line Nebraska's ever had. So Casey Thompson, I think, can read the field very well. I think he throws a good ball. He probably doesn't have the strongest deep ball ever. But he, you combine him with Trey Palmer, who probably is the best receiver in the tight in the Big Ten that doesn't get a lot of chances because Casey Thompson is constantly running for his life. And Nebraska's offense could be, you know, pretty dynamic. But without offensive tackles, you don't get to do a lot. And it's, he, I am guessing that we won't see him play a game again this year. And unfortunately, the drop-off from Casey Thompson to our second and third-string quarterbacks appears to be uh, like a cliff, like an abyss. Uh, because those guys, we haven't, I think we've, if you go out and look at the statistics without Casey Thompson at quarterback, we can't even pick up first downs. I mean, you know, that we scored only three points against Michigan wasn't just because Michigan is really good. It's because our offense is non-existent. And we go up against Wisconsin. It just it's really gonna be is Casey Thompson gonna play? Well, no, then I think our defense will stand a chance of slowing down Wisconsin, but you can't do that if your team's getting I think we recorded six three and outs in a row, not against Michigan, but the opponent before that. It's just uh, it's it's the offense. The the season we, all of your everybody in Nebraska, I think, is pretty much a, to the point of this season is over. Please announce the head coach so we can actually have something we can look forward to because this is done. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's a that's a fair fair point. It's just like you know that the year kind of you're getting to this point. It hasn't gone well. It's almost like you know let's see who they can name as the next guy and and see if they can get it turned around because right now just not just not working the way I think the fan base wants to. And I know that's got to be frustrating after that Scott Frost era just didn't go the way that, that they wanted to. So in terms of the offense, it sounds like the the line is the major problem of this offense is what you're hitting at. Who are some, yes. who are some other players that Badger fans should be looking for on this offense that might be able to, to make some plays if that line is able to hold up a little bit. The unfortunate part of Nebraska football on the offensive side is we, I, we do have some very good skill players. You got Trey Palmer. Mm-hmm. He's, Excellent at the deep ball. I mean, he's a very good receiver. Marcus Washington, good receiver. Uh, Alante Brown, speedy receiver. Again, nobody can get these guys the ball. Travis Vokalik is a very good tight end, probably the second best receiver on our teams in terms of picking up yardage and stuff. And Anthony Grant, our top running back, I, I mean, if he actually had a hole to, to run through, people would be talking about him. But again... You can't, you can't do it. Everybody knows now you can't do anything without an offensive line. If there is any, some guy in like Sahara, the Sahara desert probably knows right now, Hey, I can't do shit without an offensive line. What's the point of doing this? And that's, that's really been it. But Frost, I think recruited, well, let's be honest. In the last year, Frost didn't do anything, but I need to use my words wisely here. But allegedly get drunk a lot and play golf. And uh, 
you know, Mickey Joseph was the guy that got Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, and Anthony Grant, I think, in the transfer portal. Uh, our offensive line transfer portal stuff didn't really work out. Uh, our offensive line coach appears to – here's the key with the offensive line. I know I keep going back to this. And, and you can watch the game for this. Our offensive line can do okay until somebody runs a stunt like a twist. Mm -hmm. And then they just literally, their brains explode and they fall down. I, they just, I don't know what they're doing, but nobody taught them. Nobody has coached them. And it doesn't help that nobody evaluated any talent and bothered to go out and recruit other players besides the one we have. So um, I know I keep going back into the offensive line. You keep asking different questions. <laughs> no, you you're... know, earlier, earlier you asked me what other names mm -hmm. I, and I didn't answer that. Uh, there's been, I mean, Deion Sanders, there's literally been everybody on the planet. Oh, for the head coaching you know, job thrown out? Yeah. Yeah, for the head coaching play. The problem is you fire a guy in the second week or the third week of the season, you have all of the season to think about who should be higher. Uh, so I would put at the top, I would put like Dave Aranda, the head coach at Baylor, uh, Bill O'Brien, who I have done some coaching videos on YouTube and on our website and I describe Bill O'Brien as oatmeal, which he is. But, you know, you can put things with oatmeal and make mm -hmm. it better, like yeah. wild blueberries or brown sugar. Uh, let's see, Dave Aranda, uh, Bill O'Brien. I think the shine has come off of Matt Campbell at Iowa State, but I think he's capable of developing players. So nobody wants him anymore. I'm missing one more name. Come Matt on. Rule? Yes, Matt Rule. Got I, say, I think I saw an article on your guys' site about Matt Rule or yeah, I just did it. That's the rumor right now is that Matt rules our head coach. And I think some of that is some of that is because everybody wants us to name a head coach so we can have something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'd say those three, maybe Chris Kleeman at Kansas State. Mm -hmm. But I think Trev Alberts has conducted this coaching search with secrecy uh, worthy of our defense, you know, our intelligence agencies. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's done an excellent job keeping it all buttoned and I think up and tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's driving everybody insane. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm waiting on. I'm sure waiting on pins and needles to hear who's going to be that next guy. I mean, Wisconsin fans are kind of going. They're just waiting for Jim Leonard to just be named it already. And I think at this point, for for Badger fans, it, it's what we talked about on our podcast. It's kind of hurt them that they haven't named him the head coach already because I, I think he could hit the ground and get going on recruiting, get going on his decisions for next year. Cause now Wisconsin fans are kind of in that same boat where it's like, okay, five, five wins right now. Maybe get to a bowl if you win one of these next two, but you know, you, you're starting to build for next year and, and see if Jim Leonard's the guy, but to get back to Nebraska itself, you, you talked a little bit about the defense and I know in years past with Nebraska, it's been struggles against the run on the defensive line, kind of just struggles in the trenches on both sides of the ball is, is that the issue with the defense? Because I know rushing defense, 112th in, in total rushing yards allowed, but it seems like there's been a couple games where Nebraska's defense has showed up, and then there's been a couple games where they just haven't been able to, to stop anybody. You know, the other coach that was fired along with Scott Frost was Eric Chenander, the defensive coordinator. And the moment that uh, he was fired, uh, we you know, we played Oklahoma the week after and Oklahoma just beat the tar out of us. And you could see players really weren't that interested in playing. So Oklahoma beats us 49 to 14. And then they get a bye week. And during that bye week, you could tell 
that Eric Chenander should never be a defensive coordinator for anybody on this earth again. Uh, we Our defense has played terribly at times. I mean, Purdue just torched us. But I think they've played pretty well given the circumstances. They have, I mean, off of last year's defense, they lost like JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt, which were two really good players. And they brought in an inexperienced, mostly secondary. The linebacker core was kind of pretty much unproven. And there was no defensive line depth because I guess, you know, the former coach that we fired, that piece of shit, um, didn't bother to recruit any Mm -hmm. offensive or defensive linemen to any level whatsoever. So, you know, apparently that's what you do when you're off uh, allegedly getting drunk all the time and golfing instead of actually doing your job. Golfing and and drinking instead of your job. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Our defense has performed admirably given what Mm -hmm. the circumstances they're under. Having a brand new defensive coordinator in the middle of the season who knows what he's doing, but you can't teach all a defense in in just a few weeks. So I would expect that the defense would stand up pretty well against uh, Wisconsin, although Garrett Nelson is injured and he's been one of our top pass rushers. let's see no miles farmer will be back for this game he set up the last game suspended for, for dui uh i'm trying to think of who else you should be worried about i think it's you know houseman I, I ernest houseman i think his name is oh my god i'm missing my names it, he's a freshman linebacker that is suddenly starting to make plays out of nowhere uh marcus buford secondary decent player I think that the defense can I, – I expect that the defense will play well against Wisconsin because I don't think Wisconsin does anything really unbelievably fancy. Mm-hmm. And Graham Mertz, let's face it, can sometimes be a turnover machine. Yeah. He's... But again, <laughs> you can't play defense for four quarters in the Big Ten when your offense goes three and out and three and out and three and out. And on top of that, your offense – you know, Mark Whipple likes to throw the ball because we don't have a running game because obviously you can't open holes without an offensive line. So it's not just that they're three and out. They're three and out in 45 seconds. So mm-hmm. that part is um, – Everything sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, you're right, though. That's a lot to ask for a defense. I mean, to be on the field consistently, to be learning a new defense on the fly. I mean, you don't have two weeks to implement that before the season starts. So that that does sound difficult. And I think that fairly sums up this Nebraska defense because there were games that I've seen where it seemed like they looked better than than maybe what the score and, and the numbers indicate. So next question I want to ask you I know in the past, Wisconsin and Nebraska special teams, they just don't seem to have any sort of answer. As a Badger fan and a Packer fan, the state of Wisconsin is just a disaster with special teams. So how has that area fared for Nebraska? Because it does seem like when these two teams play, it's always a a punt return or a kick return or a fumble on special teams that seems to just have a big play to kind of flip momentum in in these contests. You know, one of the first things Nebraska did – after firing the two bozos that were trying to run our program but not doing it, uh, was block a punt and return it for a touchdown, something we hadn't done since 2009. Mm. And I think that, that by itself showed how little coaching was going on by the previous staff. So 
Nebraska at times has shown on special teams that they can manufacture some points. You know, they've come up with some special teams plays, where the block punt things. They have blocked a couple punts, which uh, previous under the previous regime, uh, they didn't do anything on special teams. The special teams was terrible. We still don't ever return punts. We just fair catch and everybody goes, oh, lucky fair caught the ball. Thank God it was outside the 10-yard line. It's improvement. Yay. And our kick returning, we don't do that. Although Tommy Hill, here's the thing. Tommy Hill is the top kick return guy. And Tommy Hill was a defensive secondary. He was supposed to be one of our better corners. He's no longer playing defense because I maybe of a conflict with the coaching staff, but he's trying to return kicks. Normally, you don't return kicks. You just take the ball at the 25 on a fair catch. He keeps trying to return kicks because I think he's very talented and he just wants to do something. So... If there could be maybe a screw up, there you go. Or a big play, there you go. Tommy Hill maybe gets a chance. Uh, Nebraska's uh, punter is actually punting the ball pretty well. And our field goal kicker can kick field goals. So, uh, I mean, if Nebraska can come up with turnovers against Wisconsin and, like I said, manufacture points, maybe we can stay in this game. You know, it'll be a one score loss because we're used to those. (laughs) And, you know, there you go. Yeah, special I teams mean, could be interesting. Yeah, it definitely could. I mean, Wisconsin seven points in, in special teams last week, and then a pick six. So the Badgers know how to allow teams to to hang around when they make those type of mistakes. So to kind of wrap up here, overall, what do you think Nebraska needs to do to win this game, and what is your prediction for this contest? <laughs> you know, I, I I think I said last week you know, against Michigan. And I mean, there really wasn't any chance against Michigan. Michigan has a team. I I guess I look at this game and I'll say the same thing. The offense just needs to make first downs. That's it. Just make first downs. You know, first downs will turn into points if you can make them over and over. So it's not really, oh, we need to do grandiose things and throw the ball to Trey Trey Palmer for 300 yards. Just make first downs and give the defense a chance to not be exhausted by, by the start of the third quarter. And can can they do that? I, you know, it really depends. If we see Casey Thompson walk on the field, I think Nebraska has a good chance of winning. If Casey Thompson doesn't walk on the field, then I'd put our chances of winning at, uh, I don't know, 20%. So you ask for a prediction? If you want. Uh, you know what? Let's say it's a fun game. 24 to 21 uh, Nebraska, yeah. just because I'm a homer. And, uh, you know, there, there might be like some tiny blood cell somewhere in my body that still has any bit of positivity <laughs> left in it. <laughs> hey, you, you gotta, I mean, whenever I ask for a score prediction, I always, you, you gotta have the homer pick. I mean, if someone's asking me, I'm going homer pick too. You just, there's always that little bit in you that has a tiny bit of belief and, no, I always I always get nervous when Wisconsin plays at Nebraska. I mean, Camp Randall, you can usually kind of keep that elements in check, but at Nebraska always kind of makes me a little nervous, especially with this Wisconsin team. You just don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. And one week they look great, one week they're throwing it all over the field or to the other team and, you know, block punts. And so it's 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 a whole different uh, beast with Wisconsin, what it feels like from week to week. So <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, have you, I can I, 
ask myself a question and for I'll sure. answer it for you. For sure. Okay. I just want to make this clear about Scott Frost and why he was fired. In the in the over four years that Scott Frost was in Nebraska, he is the worst coach in Nebraska school history. I know that there's a lot of other fans out there that look there and go, oh, wow, he was a native son. Then why they'd fired him? They fired him because he was a piece of garbage. That's really what it comes down to is, is in four years of time, he didn't make a single bit of progress, even though we all wanted him to make progress. He spent the first two years allowing him to get away with saying Mike Riley destroyed the program and he made no improvements. He won no games. He had no signature wins. He never went to a bowl game. He did nothing for our program, but drive it into the ground. And, you know, I hope God forbid somebody hires that guy to ever coach anywhere again for any reason. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see where he ends up, what he does, uh, uh, where he turns up next, because it's it's just it was such a disaster that it'll be interesting to see if he is able to land another job at, at some point somewhere doing something. <laughs> so, but John, you know, always, if it's, oh, yeah, if I sound vindictive, if I sound vindictive, yeah, I am. I am. I really I don't blame you. Utterly disgusted by what happened at Nebraska because yeah. it wasn't just him. It was the fact that he was enabled by people that allowed him to continue on that long and and take the program where we should have gotten rid of him two years ago and been rebuilding right now. I mean, if you look at us, we're just a, a shell of ourselves. And this is something that the state of Nebraska prides itself on. It is the ego of the state. Like I said earlier, I mean, if you think about Nebraska without football, what do you think about? There's really not anything there. You know, beef. We have good beef. <laughs> but other than that, you know, there you go. There you go. All <laughs> right, Badger fans. Well, that wraps up another episode of our podcast. As always, thank you for listening, John. Thank you for hopping on. Um, yeah. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat soon. You know, good luck to you guys. I hope you get to a bowl game. I hope so too. I think they need it. I think they need that that extra couple weeks of practice. So I, the right. the entire Big Ten West could be better and be more fun. Yes, that that's I think should be an overall goal for all all seven teams as long as the West yeah. is around. So all right, <laughs> all right thanks fans. for having me. Absolutely, Take thank care. you for joining us. We'll be back with you guys next week on Wisconsin. Thank you.